Welcome to another episode of Who Day Talk. Jane Braden here with the Post Combine Podcast. And man, do we have a lot to get to today. We're talking about all the players we were impressed by, not impressed by at the Combine, some risers, some droppers, and also a lot of news from Zach Tobin, Zach Taylor, Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor, excuse me, from their press conference. And there's some John Ross rumors that were quickly killed in. But first, I want to start with Josh Rosen. Earlier today, and we were recording this Tuesday night, Rosen was legitimately put on the trade block, and people are speculating people as in people in the high NFL. They didn't give specific names when it was reported. Believe he's only worth a third-round pick, and I don't know about you, but if that's true, I'm telling everybody in the front office to shut up. I'm calling Arizona. I'm sending in that third-round pick, and I'm getting Rosen right now. Yeah, I mean, the fact, I I think that's untrue as well. I don't think the Cardinals are that dumb. I I understand the whole thing of okay, well, if they draft Tyler, then they're gonna have no leverage in Josh Rosen trade talks. But I think the idea would be you trade Rosen first, and then you get Tyler, especially since you have the number one pick. I don't I don't think that's an issue. I think the I I just don't see how you can trade a potential franchise quarterback for a third round pick a year after you picked him. You traded up for him and picked him top ten. Just doesn't make sense to me. Um, that's I, it. Just smells fishy to me. I don't really think it's true at all. I said it from the beginning. That I I don't really I don't see this happening at all. Especially if they're only getting a third round pick for Rosen. I think if they're getting a top twelve pick for Rosen, that makes it a lot more likely. But at the same time, I I don't see that happening either. So, I mean, honestly, if I'm the Cardinals. I wouldn't even trade him for a first-round pick. Like You draft him to be your franchise guy, and I know it's a new coach and all, but he was Rosen was put in a god-awful situation last year, and basically no targets, a horrible offensive line, a coaching staff that didn't even know um, their running back names blanking out on me. But uh, he's very good in the pass game. They couldn't get him the ball on some screens or even in space. Um, the coaches were over their heads. Yeah, it was, a, it was a historically bad coaching staff. I mean, that whole organization is going haywire ever since Bruce Arians left. They fired their head coach after one season, switched offensive coordinators midway through the season. It's just not a good mix. I mean, when I look at Rosen, I mean, he's, he's a terrific, terrific quarterback, elite prospect. I mean, he has great mechanics. Uh, his short and intermediate passing is outstanding. I, he's he has a lot of what you look for in a quarterback. He's he's there in between the years. I mean, he's he's an extremely smart player, and I I think he has the look of a franchise quarterback. When it comes to Andy, I think year one they're going to be very similar players. Uh, but with the Andy, you don't really you know you know what you're going to get long term. You're not going to get something outstanding but with Rosen you have that ceiling and that potential and especially if you can I I don't think this is the case but if you were able to get Josh Rosen for a third round pick then hypothetically you could offload Andy Dalton for a third or fourth round pick and at that point I mean you you pretty much made profit Mm -hmm. and also something else even if we did let's just say we did make trade and the Cardinals got a little smart and we did have to trade pick 11 I would still do that if we believe Rosen's the franchise guy, and you're also saving a lot of draft capital compared to what other teams have had to trade up for or trade for a quarterback. Like you saw the Chiefs when they traded up Mahomes, they gave 
they gave up the first round that year, the first round the year after, and a lot of day two picks. The Jets last year, they basically gave up their whole draft to move up three spots for Darnold. So trading for or just getting to your franchise quarterback is extremely hard. And the Bengals, they can do that with one pick. I would not hesitate to do yeah, that. Personally, Josh Rosen was my QB2 last year. And he was my QB1. Well, yeah, he was. him and Baker were very close. I, mean, I had Baker over him by, by a little bit just because of deep accuracy and this – this is swagger of Baker. I liked about Baker. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's – like you said, if you have the opportunity to trade, even your pick 11 for him, uh, you're getting an outstanding deal. Because let's say you want to give Andy a year and wait until 2019 – or 2020, until the 2020 draft or even 2021 draft. You're, there's no guarantee you're going to be in a position to take a quarterback at the pick that you have. I mean, it's very likely you're going to have to trade up. And, I mean, let's say you want to tank for Trevor, uh, go for Trevor Lawrence in 2021. Fine, but just know 10 other teams are going to be going for him, and you're going to end up paying, paying out of your butt to trade up for him. And you're probably going to give up. I mean, I, this is just a random guess, but if you're picking even pick eight in 2021, you're trying to get to pick one to take Trevor Lawrence. You're probably giving up three firsts in two seconds. Easy. Oh, yeah, for Easy. sure. So Yeah, for sure. The notion that you're slam dunk, you're going to be able to get a quarterback in 2020 or 2021, it's not, really, it's not really true. If you have the opportunity to get your franchise quarterback, you have to do it. Even if, exactly. Even if, you, think, even if you think that Rosen should sit behind Andy for a year. I don't agree, but fine. If that's what you need to – if that's what you need to agree to this, fine. Whatever. Whatever. But you need to get your franchise quarterback. Andy Dalton is not your franchise quarterback. He, at this point in his career, he has two more years left under contract. I don't think he should be signing another contract with this team. Oh, he won't. And uh, this is just kind of speculation, but it sounds like the front office it will not pay Andy that Thirty million, which yeah. I wouldn't even consider, but with the inflation to NFL quarterbacks, that's sadly not out of the picture. But from what I've heard, it sounds like the Bengals are definitely not willing to do that unless if something amazingly happens where he becomes a five thousand yard passer. But Andy, we know what Andy, Andy is at this guy, point. Andy strikes me as a guy that wouldn't be money hungry. I, I, I truly think if the Bengals wanted to get him for nineteen million a year, he would say yes. I, I, even even for the sixteen million a year, I think he ends up saying yes. Even though in the market he'd probably get not twenty five, but he would get a lot. He would take a hometown discount for sure, without a doubt. Especially I can see that he has. He just has so much rooted in Cincinnati that I, and he's just such a this the way his demeanor is, the way his the way his character is. I can see him taking a hometown discount. That being said, I don't think we should do it. But Mm-mm. I great guy, but yeah. Football is not all about being a great guy. Exactly. So let's move on right. a little bit from that. Um, we're going to talk about some comments that Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, and uh, Duke Tobin said at the Combine. Uh, I'm going to start off with their – I believe it was Brian Callahan's uh, whole spiel on offensive tackles. And to sum it up, he said he likes him big. And of the top offensive tackles in the draft, combining combining with what Zach Taylor said early on that he loves to protect the quarterback and that's his top priority, that all signs point to Cody Ford at pick eleven. Cody Ford is the only of the top four offensive tackle prospects. I'm keeping out Kajuski just because consensus he's not really top four, and with 
injuries and stuff and reportedly off the field concerns. Yeah, we'll get to his combine we'll in, get second. To that in a second. But for the top four, I'm talking about Jenna Williams, Cody Ford, Jawan Taylor, and Jenna Williams, Cody Ford, Jawan Taylor. I think he is in that top four, unless you want to put Dillard. Who is who is the other four? Who is the guy you just said? I guess I, Dillard. I guess I'm thinking top three. Of the top three, Jenna Williams, Jawan Taylor, and uh, Cody Ford. Cody, Cody Ford is the only guy in that three that is above average size-wise. He weighs 330 pounds. That's pretty dang good. Um, just based on how he's going to fit with that, with what Zach Taylor said, he's the only one that fits there. And that, that just all, – all that kind of points to me that they're going to go offensive tackle in 11 and it's going to be Cody Ford. With tight ends, uh, they stated that you don't need an elite guy at tight end. That I mean, them going out and saying that pretty much means they're not touching a tight end in the first two rounds. Is that is, is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I'm not going to full-on believe that just because when people talk at the combine, they do straight-up lie. They're, you have to be careful. But I think if they were looking for an elite or if they were interested – they Callahan would have found a better way to say yeah, that. Yeah, I think he would have phrased it a little more, uh, I guess, suspiciously would be a good way to say it. Yeah, he would have – if he really wanted to hide it but also not deny it, he would have been like, yeah, you need a lot of partners in offense, right. this and that. Tight end's important. Like, if I was trying to hide the fact that I want a tight end, I, would, I wouldn't just say we don't need well, one, not only that, basically. If, if he went out and said, like – I, never mind. I don't know where I was going out with that, but yeah. I, coaches do exactly, different stuff, exactly. and that's pretty much the two big comments. But there was one other comment that about John Ross. I'll let you kind of t- touch on just because you mentioned it at the beginning. Yeah. Uh. So this is kind of old news by now. It happened about a week ago, but just sitting around and some Patriots guy or something just kind of puts out that the Bengals are looking to trade John Ross and. Uh, I really never believed it. Then it starts picking up. Ian Rappaport reports it. Then it just it didn't make any sense for multiple reasons. I don't Everybody. really think we had to explain that. Yeah, I know. Jay actually called me like a couple minutes after that Patriots guy said, and we were just laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I will admit I got a little scared when Rappaport said it, but I never fooled even on even after Rappaport that. said it. Like I, I just didn't. It didn't make sense. Just the way the Bengals yeah. run things, it just see it smelled fishy from the beginning. I. Immediately from the start, I knew it. I knew the reports could that they weren't true. Now maybe they were coincidentally dropping John Ross, but just the way the Bengals handle things, the way the Bengals, just the way the Bengals act, like they don't stuff like that doesn't really leak. So yeah, honestly, what probably happened was a team. Let's just say the Eagles. I heard some rumors saying the Eagles were a team that called and then leaked it, trying to do something, trying to make it a little more possible. It doesn't really make sense. And then, I, and then I guess the rumor was like they called again and they checked up again. But I, I just don't see – I think that's – it was just a rumor and it was just kind of false. I don't think the Bengals would ever seriously entertain the idea of trading. Mm, yeah, like if uh, – yeah, there's a difference between trying to make a trade and just listening. Like, honestly – it, an NFL front office is smart to listen to any trades. Yeah. You can offer me something, we'll listen, but it doesn't mean you want to trade them. Exactly. So, yeah, that was I, 
from the start, I knew that was never really the case. Yeah. And again, with this, I'm going to kind of touch back on Josh Rosen. I don't think I think this is a similar situation. I don't really think I think it's all either smokescreen or I, I just for one for one reason or another I don't think Josh Rosen is traded. Uh, what, right, here's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. So, this is probably not the case, but something I kind of heard similar to John Ross' situation, which kind of made me laugh, but also isn't completely stupid. I, Cliff could be coming in here, and he could talk to Rosen. He knows he's the quarterback, but he, but there may be some confidence issues, and if Rosen did have some confidence issues after last year, I wouldn't blame him. So, maybe him in the front office say, hey, Pretend like you want to trade him, then I'm going to tell him, no, I'm not going to let the front office trade you. You're my guy and improve confidence. Definitely not the case, but I heard somebody somebody did that with John Ross. But that would be genius, actually. I see some flaws in it, but we're getting a little bit off topic. But before we go into the comment, there was one comment that it's kind of interesting to Andy Dalton when Duke Tobin was talking at the – Combine, he said almost unanimously all the coaches were okay with or wanted Andy Dalton as their quarterback. So that probably means there was one coach who didn't. And just who do you think was the coach that wouldn't want Andy as his quarterback? I want to say. There's two on my mind. One that I think is kind of the popular answer and one that might surprise people. I don't think it's Zach Taylor. I don't think it's. I don't. Uh, I don't think it's Zach Taylor. I think uh, the offensive line coach would be one option of who the coach who doesn't want Andy could be. The other. Wait, did we interview an offensive line coach? I don't think we did. No, I'm talking about Jim Turner. I'm talking about all the coaches you interviewed for head oh, coach. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about. Yeah, I I didn't get to hear the whole thing. Um, but of of the guys that. That interviewed, I would have to say. Hmm. I I'll let you say your. Well, you th- about mine. Okay, there's two. I'll start with the obvious one. That's probably the common answer that I truly believe. Be enemy, just because I believe that that Chiefs offense was so successful when he wanted to bring something decently similar. If he was a head coach, and Andy Dalton just would not fit that at all. Okay, and here's your other one. Uh. Um, this probably isn't true, but Vance Joseph, I think he may be looking like he knows what Dolan is, but he, probably what happened was he – see, all, coaches are arrogant. They think they can coach anything. And when these coaches interview, they might be looking at a veteran quarterback who's never been put in a great position. They think he can get Andy to the next level. While Vance might be coming, he's like, look, I've been with the Bengals. I know who Andy is. He's a fine quarterback, but I'm defense. I can't coach him to be lead. I need a guy and who my offensive coordinator agrees can be really, really good, and Andy Dalton isn't that. I think my guess is Todd Monken. I, I think that's my guess. Just because Todd Monken, he's coming from he's coming from Tampa Bay. He's coming from a system where it's very pass heavy. It's very I wouldn't. I don't want to say quarterback reliant, but it's it's a very air raid gunslinger type system, and I don't think Andy fits that. I don't know. I was thinking that, but just the fact that I mean, I don't think Jameis Winston's good at all. And I thought he, compared to where his talent lies, did good for what he is, and also Fitzpatrick. So I almost think Munkin 
would kind of be that arrogant, like, yeah, I can work with that. I can coach that. I think I think Monk. Uh, I don't know. I think Monk. I just don't think it's a fit at all with that offense. And I, I guess that's just why I point to Monk. And with with Vance Joseph, I know that was your kind of under the radar pick, but I just see Vance Joseph as the type of guy that, like, okay, I need a job. He, yeah, I see. But you could also you could also be thinking like I'm not like Andy, but I also this is my last chance to be a head coach, so I need a guy who won't choke in prime I time every game. I guess it's a fair. See, that's just kind of a reach there. I know, but it's just kind of something that came to my head when I was I heard that comment. Yeah, definitely. So on to the combine. Um, what are some takes that you came that you left with? Uh, just because I've had, I got some takes that were not takes, but some disappointments, I guess. Oh yeah, there's. You I'm, better leave my I mean, guy. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm gonna let you talk about your guys. Jay had a bit of a rough week in watching some of his guys perform, but I'll start with the obvious, Devin White. I knew he was fast. I didn't know he was 4.42 fast, and I, he showed everything that we expected. We knew he was going to test extremely well, show off his athleticism. So I wasn't surprised there. I was a little surprised that Bush ran a 4.44 because yeah. I honestly didn't. While I did see game speed and instinct speed, I'm not sure I saw 4.44 speed. And while I was overly impressed, and he did move up to my linebacker too for about an hour until yeah. I watched some tape on some other guys, which we'll get to towards the end of the episode. But I still have the concern of, and he did weigh in more than I think, only three pounds less than White at 234, while White weighed at 237. But Bush, his frame is what really concerns me. He just kind of has that frame that offensive linemen are going to bully. So does White, though. I, and, mean, White's I mean, not – I mean, their weight is close, but White's frame is just so much better, in my opinion. It's – I don't – I mean, I know there's size similar. There, I mean – the sides are very similar, but it was kind of how I viewed Andy Dalton, Lamar Jackson last year with the frame and stuff. People were talking about how yeah. when they were arguing for Lamar, like, oh, Andy's the same height and stuff. The thing was Lamar was just so thin and stuff, and that's kind of what I see with Bush. White's a little more well-rounded and stuff, while Bush is just very thin frame that I don't like. I kind of disagree on that. I was, I was thinking more the opposite. I thought White was a lot more lanky than Bush was, but, I mean – I don't know. I, I haven't watched Bush in a few months, so it's – I mean, I'll have to look back. But from what I remember, I believe Devin White looked a little slimmer to me, but I don't know. Uh, but, so, okay, I'm going to stick with linebackers. My guy, Drew Giles Harris, he disappointed me. Uh, I'm so extremely high on him, but he's going to drop a little bit in my rankings just because of some other risers. Uh he just tested terrible guys. I, I didn't see a four seven six forty out of him. I saw four sixes, but I didn't see four seven six. And that that when I saw that, I just knew it was kind of going to be a rough day. Uh, he did okay in the on field drills, but he, he wasn't anything special. He didn't give it. He didn't break out like I expected him to. Yeah. And some of the kind of stuff you also look at, like at the three cone drill and uh, yeah. broad jump. He d- he did horrible in that too, and that's kind of that's. Sh- you have to be careful with the combine because there is a difference between right. game speed and field speed. But 
usually that gives you a hint of potential and such. And like, you're probably not going to like this just because you really don't like Daniel Jones, but this kind of almost makes me feel as Joe Giles Harris might be the Daniel Jones of linebackers in this draft class. You know what you're getting. There's not a whole lot of potential. He's not going to be your rangy guy. He's going to be solid for you, but just not going to take that next step. Not going to be a game changer. I'm going to let that slide. Just because I'm fine with having a solid linebacker that's just – I'm fine with having a linebacker that's – I bet that's going to be average. That's going to be – he's never going to be elite. The, but the positional value here is extremely different. Right. Keep so in I'm mind. fine with having a linebacker of like that Daniel Jones type mold. I'm not fine with having a quarterback in that mold. So I, I guess I can accept that. But I, I, I would agree. I – he just he shocked me that way. I expected him to. I expected him to do a lot better. Um, I mean, he still has his pro day. Maybe it was just a bad day. That does happen. I'm so I'm so he drops kind of far in my linebacker rankings just because of how close all my linebackers are. But he has potential to still be linebacker too. If he comes on his pro day, he runs a four point. Even just a 4.7 does test well. I didn't care that much about the 40, as long as he didn't bomb it. It was just kind of the other stuff that added on to it. Yeah, I was a lot more worried about – I mean, I expected it to be kind of pretty bad. I was a lot more worried about the, the jumps and the bench. Those kind of shocked me just because he played pretty strong on film. He played he, – he, it looked like he had a solid lower half on film too. So that's something I'm going to be looking for him to improve on on his pro day. And – I don't know, man. It's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It hurts my heart. Sad. He's still, four. He's still going to be a top 40 player, but I'm just, I'm not so sure I'm comfortable with him relying on him to be my best linebacker anymore. I, yeah, exactly. I, I was, I was able to rely on him to be my best linebacker pre, pre combine, but now I'm not. So that kind of drops him a little bit. Um, but I, I, let's, let's move on a little bit so I don't cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that might have happened Enough, on Sunday. I'm gonna move on to cornerbacks a little bit. All right. There was a lot of a lot of good things coming from the cornerbacks. Uh, Greedy Williams was weird. Tested very well, but the on-field drills were very bad. Uh, he did not play well at all in the on-field drills. Uh, I mean, testing's probably gonna win out just because that's that's what the stat sheet is. That's what the numbers are gonna show. But. He did not play well, guys. Uh, I don't, I haven't really adjusted my rankings on him yet because I haven't really digested it. But with Greedy, I I'm not sure what to make of it. So I'm gonna sit on that. I'm gonna sleep on it a little bit, and I'll get back to you on that later. Um, I'll let- the four point three eight for him was probably the biggest thing that scouts are going to c- come with the with the one eighth inch off from being six foot two, running at that speed and just testing well. I, I agree. He, that's going to win out over the on-field. Uh, he's still my cornerback one. I had him top 10 prior to the combine, yeah. but I'm not sure. He's probably going to still be top 15 at the lowest. He's my cornerback one. He's just he's just too good to uh, exactly. write off. Um, another guy that I'm going to say in position a little bit, DeAndre Baker. Uh, he impressed with his first 40 times. His long speed was an issue, and then he came back and sucked. So I'm I'm gonna stay with the first forty time, and I mean overall he had a decent combine. I mean he tested, he checked boxes. I guess he ne- he didn't improve his stock, but some of the worries are kind of lifted off people's shoulders. Um, he's still gonna be yeah. a top twenty player for me. 
Uh, he did show some stiffness during the chain, some of the field drills, though. I'm not too worried that, about that, just because on tape, I mean, he's the best gear cover corner in the draft, I think. I, I, don't, I don't really see any issues with him on tape, so I'm just going to chalk that up to just being practice and leave it at that. Uh, another corner that was kind of the opposite of Greedy, Byron Murphy. Uh, he's contending to be quarterback, cornerback one. Sorry. Uh, he was kind of the opposite. He tested very poorly, but his on-field drills were elite. I mean, he, he performed ex- exceedingly well in those drills. Um, he did end up coming in short. I think he was like 5'10", and like, what was it, 170-something? So it was pretty small. Yeah, he came in really small, pretty slow. I mean, but he's also the best instinctual uh, cornerback in the draft. Great in zone coverage. He didn't have that much uh, experience in man coverage, but I, I think he can develop there. He's my cornerback two or three. And uh, the guy contending with him is Imani Oruwari. Just call him the Penn State guy. The Penn State guy. He tested very well for his size. Uh, he came in as one of the bigger cornerbacks. He, ha- he had a 40. I forget what exactly it was. I believe it was high four fours. And for a guy of his size, that that's very good. Um, I believe his three cone was very good as well. I don't remember that specifically, but I believe that was really good as well. I'm not sure. I, I'd have to get checked. But he's him and Byron Murphy are in contention for my cornerback too. I mean, the top three cornerbacks are all kind of in a lump right now. I haven't really digested that spot yet. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, you hit it. Murphy's pr- – Murphy and Baker are going to battle for corner two. I don't know who to – at this point, I don't know who to put over. I mean, ba- Baker, he's just so polished, technique's so good. That's – I feel like with the kind of how the NFL's moving direction of speed and stuff, he for granted. It kind of blows up in their face when they take the risk with the high-end guys who are unproven – and while Murphy's proven and all, I just I have a hard time putting somebody with that polished under a guy who ha- barely done any man. So I think Baker probably gets to my corner too, but yeah, it's close. Yeah, I would agree. And moving on to offensive tackles a little bit, um, Jonah Williams had a pretty good combine. He came in a little small, but I mean, other than that, athletically he tested above average. Not elite, but he tested well enough to check all the boxes. Uh Jawan Taylor did not test just because I believe he had a hamstring, torn hamstring. Something, something like that. Something with his hamstring. He did not test. Uh, Yadni Kajusti, the big things were medicals and off the field. Uh, I didn't hear much about his medicals, so I'm assuming they passed through pretty well. Um, but I, I did hear some rumblings about character concerns and poor interviews. Um, I, didn't, I don't really have any details on that as of yet, but that, that's all I that's all I was told, and uh, that's kind of worrisome. Combine, combining that with his injury history, he kind of fell on my rankings a little bit. Uh, he's still a top-20 player, but I, I'm just not sure I'm comfortable taking him, at, taking him at 11 anymore just because I don't think he can afford to have a an oft-injured offensive tackle in addition to Cordy Glenn. Yep. Yeah, and we were kind of talking round two steal in. It sounds like just this is right after Mox of some hot takes that don't last with people, but people seem to think he may fall round three. Yeah. And that would be a heck of a steal there. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a round one talent to me. I just 
I, I think with the medicals and the off the field, I think he ends up going round three, and I would love to take him there. I think that'd be an outstanding pick. Um, Cody Ford, this is the last offensive tackle I'm really going to touch on. Well, I guess I talked about Dillier a little bit too. But Cody Ford, uh, for his size, I thought he tested very well, um, except for the bench press. The bench press was very underwhelming. I expected him to test in the mid to upper 20s, mm. if not 30. Yeah, but when you have those long of arms, it's hard. Well, not only that, he came out and said that on the he benched 18. Oh, yeah, on his 15th. On his 15th like, rep, he said he felt some tightness in his right shoulder and that he's going to be redoing that at the comp, or at his pro day. So expect him to hit at least 20, 26, 27, 28 at that. I wouldn't be shocked if he hit 32. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I would expect mid-20s. I, I think that's a threshold for him. I mean, he's a strong guy. That tape. Ooh. I know, I know, but you also look at a guy like Orlando Brown, who only got like fourteen last year. He looked extremely strong on tape, but he looked big on tape. I, I'm... I, th- thing with Orlando Brown, and apparently to a lot of draft Twitter and people who know scouts, quote unquote, Orlando Brown was never considered to be round one. A lot of people viewed him around two, right after yeah, the season. The combine, the combine only the combine dropped combine it one round. I, I had a third. I think I had a third round grade on him. Combine had nothing to do with that. A lot of people were saying, like, oh, this is why you say the combine doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter, but – or it does not matter as much, really. But I, I, I was low on him from the beginning, and that was a miss on my part. I just couldn't get over his four feet. Uh, his technique was awful. Uh, it was just – and it was – his tape was literally – and he was kind of put in a great position with the Ravens. Oh, he's, that's, that's like his the only t- offense that he would have done that good in, like – yeah, and you any other offense would have been not that horrible. Good. Not that good. I'm not gonna say horrible, but he would not year one bad. horrible just because of how bad his technique was. And you saw, and we saw against the Chargers in the playoffs in the wild card or wherever it was, maybe it's divisional, but that was wild card. But his when the Ravens were forced to throw, he got eaten up alive. Yeah. I mean, it it looks like some surgical way crap just gets touched the dudes around him, and his technique was just awful. Yeah, he is – with the Ravens, I mean, he, he got put in the best possible position that he could have been put in. Um, but kind of moving on from that, uh, Andre Dillard, last offensive tackle I'm going to talk about, he didn't really do well in on-field drills. He kind of was a turnstile for the most part. I mean, he – not a turnstile, but he didn't he didn't test he didn't play well in the on field drills. Athletically though, I mean he's he's the most athletic tackle in this class. Not very close either. Um, teams are gonna dig that. One other guy I'm gonna talk about real quick, Greg Little. Uh, the whole big thing on him was oh he's in, he's such an athlete, he's he huge feeling. He tested like crap. So I'm glad that whole hype thing can get shut down now. Let's call Paul Alexander and see how he feels. Yeah, exactly. Um, and going back to Dillard real quick, I feel like he might get some – I've never viewed him as a round one guy. I fear there might be a Colton Miller effect where he just jumps up and maybe that was just the Raiders not being the Raiders last year. Miller, though. I mean, he's a I second-round player. Yeah. Colton Miller would leave. I but, see what you're saying. But, yeah, I, I get that fear with could you stay definitely dropping in his – Amazing combine. Also, some people considered a little round one that he may rise. Exactly. Um, those are the three main positions I wanted to talk about. However, yeah. one thing that I said kind of pre-combine that I was going to be looking at is the velocity of the quarterbacks. I didn't see any numbers on that, but I talked to a few uh, 
I guess, draft Twitter friends who told me that those numbers come out a lot later on. Um, I, I don't know if it, they took those numbers at the combine or what, uh, but that's something we're going to have to touch back on when, when that information is released. Yeah. Just based off quarterbacks up from the combine, uh, teams were very impressed with Haskins interviewing. He had a – he knew ex- – Apparently, in the words of a scout, according to, I think it was Matt Miller, I don't know who, but he, he did exactly what you wanted a quarterback, go through the progressions, he, very smart player, and also throwing at the combine, he did the best out of all the quarterbacks. He, his technique was a lot more flourish, but that's also because big reason is he doesn't have defenders rushing him or anything. It's a lot easier to throw when you know, you're not in all that year and getting rushed and such, but he did, he, Haskins did help his stock. And apparently teams were not impressed with Murray's interviewing, which that's huge for Murray. If the Cardinals, as I kind of hope it is for Roden's sake, not actually wanting Murray, apparently the then only, that could have hurt him. Apparently the only interview he aced was the Cardinals and everything else that kind of sucked then. Or I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders did good and Gruden's just trying to hide it because I believe if – the Raiders would want to take Murray. Just Gruden isn't, I don't know how to explain. I just, there's been leaks that Gruden wants him and he's not good at line. Just kind of for dummy terms. I, yeah, I, I think I can. I don't know. I Murray isn't the guy who's probably going to drop a little bit on my post combine board. I think Haskins is going to ride just a little bit just because I did have questions about how well he'd, how well he'd test not test like athletically, but test on the chalkboard, how, how smart he'd be, how well teams would be impressed with him. So I think he's going to rise up a little bit. I think Murray's going to fall a little bit just based on what I've heard about those interviews. No, I haven't been in the interview room, so I, I can't really judge exactly, but I'm just, I'm just kind of guessing like if I'm hearing bad things about it, I, I mean, it's probably, then there's probably a theme. There's probably a theme behind it. So. Yeah. And uh, speaking of bad interviews, I just found this interesting. Uh, Plight, the edge from Florida, kind of scouts hated him, apparently, in all but one interview. He claimed that teams were doing nothing but harass, or not harassing, just kind of getting on him to watch it film. And apparently, long story short, Plight never watched film on himself. He's really not been coached by film, so this was all new to him. So when they weren't sucking his dick and telling him how good he was, he took it the wrong way, and that really turned off scouts. Yeah, I he had such a bad combine for a guy who's supposed to be a speed rusher. I think he ran like a in the four sevens, maybe it was four eights. I don't know. Uh, he didn't test well. I mean, he interviewed like crap. I heard a lot of a lot of attitude issues with him. He dropped a lot on my board just because of not so much the athletic testing. I think film trumps all when it comes to athletic testing, but. I, I just don't – those – I mean, I heard some sound clips, and it was just not good. I mean, it, he did not seem like he cared very much. He admitted that he didn't watch very much film himself. Now, I'm hoping that's a misunderstanding where he's like – I don't know. I'm hoping it was like a miscommunication somewhere, and maybe he's just not the best talker. But it, it's something that you need to note for sure. Um, another thing that is kind of of note, we didn't hear of any failed drug tests at the Combine, which is always a good sign. That usually doesn't come out right away unless if it's 
Like last year, didn't, trying, it, didn't it come out pretty soon last year with like? Ruben? I mean, I think soon as in within two weeks. Because I remember two years ago, Ruben Foster and Peppers had diluted tests, and that didn't come out till two weeks till the draft. Oh yeah, you're right. So maybe there was. Maybe I'm just dumb. Okay. So yeah, I and from what I hear and just kind of read about, apparently teams know pretty soon, but they have the option of kind of exposing that. And apparently, what happened was at least when these late results come out, apparently teams often will try and scare away other teams, even though the other teams know, just kind of a marketing technique, hoping the guy falls. So don't be surprised if you see a week before the draft, Kyle Murray fails the drug test, or not saying he will, but any potential first-round player. Right, exactly. Um, so... One of the two other guys we can get into, talking really quick. Brian Burns, he's my edge two, top five player, tested extremely well. He has the best bend in the draft, it's not close. Um, top five player, like I said, tested very well. On field goals are amazing. Uh, another guy that tested extremely well, Chase Winovich, uh, out of Michigan, the other defensive end out of Michigan, tested extremely well, a lot better than what a lot of people are thinking. Uh, he's a guy that's risen in my top 50. Um, anything else you wanted to add before we move on to the two prospects? Uh, Ed Oliver weighs in at 287, so hopefully that can make people shut the fuck up about how he's not big enough. Well, That's been annoying me. And even if know. it's a little bad weight, I mean, he's still shown through his playing power and he did, his he did, leverage. He did the on-field drills very well. The, the drills he did, he did fairly well, I believe. I, I wasn't able to catch all of it, but I, I didn't hear any bad things about it. Um, but I know he didn't do a lot of the athletic testing, and that's interesting. Uh, kind of like the Kyler Murray from forever. I don't, I don't think Kyler. I mean, Kyler Murray, he came in at two or seven. I, I think that was a twenty-pound increase of what he played at. At Oliver, I think at most it's ten. So I don't think it's a huge deal for him. And he still weighs more than Aaron Donald. Exactly. So I don't, I don't see it as a huge issue with him. Uh, so yeah. Um. Other than that, are we, are we all covered for the combine for the most part, I guess? Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody we missed. Uh, nope, the next few guys that were impressed by the combine we're about to talk about. Okay, so first up, I'm going to talk about my guy first because I guess he's he, – uh, sorry, Braden isn't as high on him as I am. Uh, the consensus seems to be that he's linebacker two through four. Braden's a little bit lower on him than – I am, and most people are, and he's also higher on the other guy that I'm not as high on. So I'm going to address the elephant in the room right now, Blake Cashman. Uh, he is a linebacker out of Minnesota. Um, he kind of took the combine by storm, uh, played extremely well in the on-field drills, uh, athletically. I mean, he was up there with Devin White and um, Devin Bush, and – he, I, I got done watching his film about two hours ago, and I was very impressed. Uh, he's going to end up as my linebacker, too, behind Devin White. I'm just going to give you guys a quick rundown. He is a Mike linebacker. Uh, probably is what he should play at the next level. Very strong at the point of attack. Great at fighting through blocks and attacking the ball carrier in the crowd. Uh, very good range. Um, probably if Devin White's a 10 out of 10, he's probably an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, he often beats the running back to the outside, but at the same time, he can be a little susceptible, susceptible to uh, interior cuts and counters behind or in between the tackles. Uh, that's pretty much where his 
his uh, not intelligence, but where his instincts, his instinct flaws come to an end. Everything else is very good. Um, his recovery speed, his recovery. I mean, he whenever he makes a mistake, he's most of the time he's on top of it. He fixes it. Um, he always attacks blockers with a plan. He makes sure he's the first to make contact. He uh, makes his surface area small, squeezes through, and gets past. Uh, he's not a gap shooter. He's more of a gap filler in the run game. Um, he's just—he's a guy that he—he he plays with a lot of intelligence. I mean, he's gonna—he's gonna plug his hole and he's gonna do it well. He's not gonna give up ground. And he's even in a crowd. A lot of things you see with these like rangy linebackers that are all over the place. They kind of struggle struggle in a crowd. He's not one of those guys. Uh, he's gonna. He's going to be able to power through a crowd. He's going to be able to push the pile and get that tackle, even if, he, if, even if there's two guys in between him and the ball carrier. Uh, matches up very well with running backs and tight ends. Uh, in zone coverage, he's very, very good. Keeps uh, – sorry. <clears throat> Got something stuck in my throat. Where was I? Um, zone coverage. Zone coverage. Zone coverage, he's very good. Uh, he's always keeps his eyes on the quarterback. He's aware of uh, – both of his assignments and he's he's just someone i i'm very intrigued by uh extremely aware of his surroundings knows always knows where the first down is he he knows where he has to go to stop that stop the um conversion fights off blocks extremely well like i said i mean his heavy fast hands combined with that uh redirect and that shrinking surface area something i really like with him uh very good with angles always anticipates change of direction outside the tackles except for those counters or those inside cuts. Um, the only thing I really don't like about him in coverage is, although he's very good at keeping the play in front of him, he can get grabby on, like, short, quick passes, like quick slants uh, in the middle. I mean, a lot of it is just – he's a very great player. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you continue on him a little bit just because I think I've covered a lot. I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, I'm not as low as you just made it seem right now. He's my linebacker for – he's – very much in contention for linebacker too. He made pass Devin Bush by the time then weeks. So I don't know, but you covered a lot of it. Uh, I will say there, I would like to see a little more fluidity in his hips. I didn't always see that on the game tape, but the fact that he did so well at the combine makes me think it's just stuff he needs to work out. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a will type role year one, just to kind of, work that out. Then transition to Mike. You could also easily start him at Mike. His rookie year, just depending on what you need. But uh, like you said, I was really impressed with his sifting and just kind of waiting for the play, filling his gap, then not letting anybody. He's very disciplined, and that's what I really like about him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's very, not. Gonna, he's very conscious. He's almost like a coach on the field. He's going to. I mean, he's he was obviously, quite obviously, the leader of that Minnesota defense. Uh, I mean, He's like you said. He's good at shifting blocks. He doesn't really miss tackles. High motor. Uh, sorry, I kind of cut you off. Go ahead. Uh, no, don't. Something else that I would like to see improve, but didn't really see enough to hard the critique him on too much was there were a couple of times where he wasn't aware that a route broke behind him in zone, but he really. That didn't happen too much. I just saw it a couple times. I think I know what you're talking about. I, I think I want to chalk that up more to just where his zone was. Because a lot of those times, I mean, he was he was pretty deep. He was good 15 yards deep, and especially since he was still – he still had his eyes on the quarterback, which leads me to believe that he was also spying the quarterback as his secondary assignment. So I, I tend to think that was more of a 
that was more of a play call thing. And I know, I know what you're talking about. I see, I see the issue, but I'm not going to chalk that up against him. One thing in coverage, though, I do. He is an experience in man coverage, and I, I do something I do need to see is just more experience in man coverage. I mean, he does. He didn't do it a lot. He didn't. Not something he's experienced in. He did do it well, to my knowledge. I mean, I didn't see any. I mean, I only was able to watch three games. Those they barely did games. man coverage. They didn't really do man coverage in the three games I watched. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's very smart. He knows where the play's going. He's going to be the linebacker on the field with the mic in his headset. You see him calling out the plays beforehand. He's a guy you want on your team. And based off his combine, he can turn into a really good mic or will wherever you want to play him one of these days. So, like I said, he, right now he's my linebacker four. He's probably going to move up ahead of Devin Bush for linebacker three. He just passed Jermaine Pratt and Joe Giles-Harris, who, I'm, who I was very high on. I want to – I'll probably make my final rankings after the pro days. And the guy who I kind of – next that we're going to – or is there anything else you want to say before we transition? No, nah, just that uh, – I mean, uh, Cashman's going to be my linebacker too, top 30 player. I like him a lot. And in comparison to White, he's – they have similar games. I just think Cashman is a lot more solid up the middle. He's a lot smarter. He's a lot – He's just a lot less rough around the edges for me. I still have White ahead of him, but it's it's pretty close. Yeah, I mean, and he's also not Cashman, not going to be the type of guy who's going to come out of nowhere and get a four yard tackle for loss. Right. Stop him at the line of scrimmage, but he's not. Even though he has a really good first step in burst, he's not a gap shooter per se. Exactly. He's a gap filler. He's going to get those stops at the line of scrimmage. He's going to get a lot more defensive stops. Or yeah, defensive stops than Devin White. But Devin White's going to have a lot more tackle for losses. Uh, yeah. 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 So who I'm going to talk about is Greg Johnson. Gary Johnson. Se- or, why do I keep seeing Greg? Gary Johnson, a politician, uh, the linebacker out of Texas. He ran the second fastest 40 with a 4.43. And that's how I'm currently grading my linebackers right now. White, number one, Johnson, number two, and Bush, number three. Just kidding. But that was, that was a coincidence. But he was somebody who I ha- – didn't even really know that much. I recognize him in some Texas games I watch, but he ran the second fast 40 at 4.43. And I really like his tape. He's kind of the opposite of Cashman. He's pretty similar to White. He is an elite gap shooter. He has a great first step. He He's the type of guy who's going to come out of nowhere. Uh, he's not the most disciplined. There are times where he can be a filler per se, but he – he gets a little eye candy watching the guards move or the running back move. That allows some lane cutbacks. I don't think it's a long-term issue. It's just more being I – mean, it could be – depends on his coaching style. Uh, it's kind of scaring me away and why he's not officially my linebacker too. Is he was really never asked to do cover man or zone. He was mainly a blister. He would kind of – hesitate, then find a hole and blitz through it, which he was pretty good at. Uh, there were even some times where he came around the edge and beat the offensive tackle. So he just wasn't asked to do much in coverage. And the little I did saw, I did see more good than bad, but that's not enough for me to feel confident in it. Uh, he's a high, really high-motor guy. There was one play against Oklahoma where I think it was Marquise Brown who's going 50 yards about to score then – Johnson comes from behind, strips the ball, avoiding the tackle. He's a high-effort guy. He'll come across the field just uh, 
watch his teammates make the tackle. I mean, sideline to sideline. This the thing with him is I. The thing I need to see from linebackers, the thing I value pretty much, one of the higher things I value in linebackers is the the ability to get off blocks. And Gary Johnson just can't. I mean, he hasn't done it. I mean. Eh. I kind of disagree. There were a lot of times where I saw him use the lineman's momentum against him, where the line was just kind of going one way, he would stick his hand out, punch the other way, get off. There, and he's also smart. There's times where he knows he's not going to make the block, but he's still kind of in his gap. So instead of what he'll do is he'll just kind of drop down what coaches like to call creating a pile of shit. And that kind of cr- – disrupts the play and lets other people make the play. You'd like to see him get off blocks a little more, but laterally, I think he's fine getting off blocks, kind of like Devin White in that case where he has really good lateral movement and he uses his momentum, but straight on blocks, yeah, he does struggle, but I want to say I mean, he's I horrible just, at it. I mean, I just see him, he just throws himself up, he just throws himself at the blockers. I mean, he doesn't really attack it with a plan. He just kind of, yeah. he's almost trying to bull rush an offensive lineman, but like at his size, that's not really something he can do. Uh, on the as a blitzer, I mean, he's great initially. He's great initially. If he can, if he can get through that gap, he's he's gonna get a pressure. He's gonna disrupt the quarterback. But too often, I see I see him. He's trying to bend around the edge. He gets engaged by the offensive lineman, and he's done. He has no counters, no pass rush plan. Uh, and I mean, I, I I tend to wonder where do you play him because. I don't know if he's a fit for the Bengals. I don't know if I can play him in a four three because I he he's almost like a three four outside linebacker where he's gonna have he's gonna be a blitzer, but at the same time, I mean, I I just I'm not comfortable with him as a true off ball linebacker. He doesn't have, in my opinion, he's not not really smart enough. He doesn't have the coverage skills. Can't get off blocks. I mean, this is something I know you disagree on. Can't get off blocking, but I just I I've seen him latch on to an offensive lineman too much and just be done. He doesn't really have that leverage or the strength to kind of get off. I mean, he doesn't have the heavy hands, the quick hands. It's something I can't really get behind. Um, also, I think he's smarter than people make him out to be. There are multiple times where he takes his first step, then he just instantly reads the play, and he's there either filling his gap or there's a couple times where there will be screen plays. He notices right away, runs right past the blocker, blows it up. I mean, There are times, though, where he just – completely misread the play like he'll read the guard wrong or kind of get candy eyes I said earlier but for him and I don't think it's a IQ issue like Malik Jefferson I do feel like he needs to be a little better about who to read and when to but for the most part I think he's a smart player I I just think he's a step slow I mean obviously not to the degree of Malik Jefferson but I I do see a, a, a pretty significant pause in his reads I mean I did too, and I almost wonder was that kind of called because teams do like to hesitate linebackers, and I saw that on the blitzes where I don't know if you're just trying to find a gap or they kind of want to do a delay blitz. I'm but I about- do, I do agree. I see. I know what you're talking about, but I'm just talking in general. That could correspond. Yeah, I'm not really talking about like the ones where he's lined up outside. I'm talking more about like when he's lined up at Mike, and it's pretty obvious it's like either a running situation or he's not going to be blitzing. I mean, he, I mean, on the ones I'm talking about, he wasn't really he didn't end up blitzing. He just kind of stood there and he was waiting for the waiting for the ball carry, and he didn't really know where his gap was, or even if he didn't have a, a sat like a specific gap assignment, he didn't really have an idea of what was going to happen. He was kind of just frozen, flat footed, and. I don't know. It was just something I 
I didn't really like with him. Uh, he's gonna end up as my linebacker ten, third round, yeah, late third round grade, maybe early fourth. Uh, I mean, someone we're obviously gonna be looking at in two years, seeing who's right. But I just. I As some of that I think he's just trying to kind of be like the sifter and be filling the gap and he's just that's not natural to him it's something that he needs to work on he's a very raw player in general so I mean he's not going to be very good year one in my opinion but he's a guy who I think you can work with he can play Mike Will or even if you really wanted that 3-4 outside role but I don't I, really oh. I wouldn't do that I would only do that if you, you're very desperate and everybody all your other guys were hurt, but I think he he has great range. He can you can put him at will and kind of hope to avoid linemen. And because once he reads the play and he sees that gap, he's going to go through. He's going to blow it up. He has great form. I do need to see a little more control in the open field, though. I will say that I I don't see him as a mic at all at the next level. I I don't see I don't see anywhere I could put him at mic. His processing isn't there for me. He's not. He's not. He's not good enough at getting off blocks for me to even think about putting that mic. I I think a Sam in a three four would be the best option for him. I mean, maybe a Sam in a four three. But I mean, again, I haven't seen him cover, so I don't know how well he can cover tight ends. So it's just he's a guy that I think he's a huge project. Not a huge project. But he's a project and someone that is. He's definitely going to be a gamble, and I expect that his pro days teams are going to ask him. Or not, not really at his pro days, but when they bring him in for interviews, or not interviews, but when they bring him in to work out at the team facilities, they're going to test his man coverage skills. They're going to see how fluid his hips are. They're going to see how well his turn is. They're going to see how well he can stay stay on with the faster head end or a faster wide receiver. And that was something else I was kind of hoping to find, and that's something that could make him drop down to possibly LB5, LB6, depending on other stuff. But if he does do horrible in the interviews, and that's going to knock him down. But based off what I saw, based off the potential, based, I see a guy who can be a really good star in the next league. And, but, I mean, his name's Blake. You know, Blake Cashman, he's rising on my board. He may as, end up as linebacker too. He, I scouted him yesterday. He's really grown on me. He – so, I mean, it's all up in the air right now. The combine left me more questions than answers. Yeah, definitely the same for me as well. Uh, I think we're getting to that time. It's been almost an hour. Uh, free agency starts soon. Uh, I believe next week we're probably going to get a better idea of who's getting extended, who's going to not, who's actually going to be on the market. And I believe it's March 13th or March 14th. The new league year will begin. Tampering begins, I believe, March 11th. And we're just going to start to hear about some, some exciting contract news and whether or not the Bengals are going to be on vacation during that week or not. So yeah, we'll we'll get our first look of how these new Bengals are going to be. Are they going to be aggressive or are they going to kind of be the same? Right, exactly. So next week, guys, we hope to have some more prospects for you. Um, I'm not going to say any names right now because we haven't really talked about it. We didn't really talk about the prospects beforehand that we were going to do next week. But we'll definitely have some prospects for you. uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Hootay, and we'll see you next time. Hootay.